0: One, two, three, four. Wanting to be part of this space, but they're not being authentic. And then that's almost what people are calling an influencer. Like, it's almost like a tacky label. You're someone that just wants to, like, post and get free stuff and make money. Like, that's, I feel like, the association people have with it right now. But of course I am someone of influence. Like, that is just... The byproduct of making the stuff that I create. Do you know what I mean? If you create something great, it's going to be influential in some way. And I and I have, I would say, like you know, my intention behind Hot for Food is to be influential because I want people to make my recipes and I want to have a positive effect on the world.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. That clip you just heard was Lauren Toyota. You might recognize Lauren from her TV days as a former MTV and Much Music Canada host. In 2014, she launched Hot for Food as a blog to share her vegan lifestyle. Hot for Food then expanded into a YouTube channel, which now has over 470,000 subscribers and over 35 million channel views. In 2018, she authored her first vegan cookbook, which instantly became a bestseller. Currently, she is devoted to creating engaging and authentic content on her YouTube channels and working on her second cookbook in this episode we talk about what it's like to be a woman of color in the public eye how she successfully launched hot for food and grew a massive online community how she deals with burnout as an entrepreneur and how she balances being authentically herself in her personal vlogs while still keeping some of her life private i'm so lucky to have had her on our podcast and i hope you enjoy this episode I'm here with the one and only Lauren Toyota. I'm so excited to have her on as a guest because not only am I a huge fan of her cooking and lifestyle videos, I even remember watching her on MTV and much music growing up. As a woman of color in the digital industry, I thought she would offer a fresh and authentic perspective of the reality of transitioning from a more traditional TV career to a digital content creator. I believe that her story reflects the importance of trusting the process and taking advantage of the resources and opportunities in front of you. So, Lauren, do you mind sharing your story from the beginning before Hot for Food? Why did you decide to pursue a career as a TV host and producer?
0: Yeah, well, I basically got the idea in my head that I wanted to work on Much Music as a VJ because growing up in high school, I watched Much Music and it was the be all end all. And I was just really drawn to it. I think what I recall from that is that, you know, I felt like the people on air were, you know, from all different walks of life, they were kind of weird and quirky. They were sort of the misfits, you know, and I felt that same way. And I felt like I felt like those people that were the VJs when I was watching, you know, if they were able to have sort of this platform and this voice being sort of unique and unusual, then I could kind of have that same opportunity. And also they allowed me to feel comfortable in my own skin. And I kind of wanted to be able to pass that on to other people. So that was really the true reason behind wanting to do that. And then I ended up kind of doing some other stuff after college. I didn't go to broadcasting school. I went for a music industry business at Durham College in Oshawa. And uh, I sort of was following my backup plan, which was like, if I, if I don't end up being a TV host on much, then I will work in the music industry, you know, at a label or in management or something. So I could still be in that realm. And in 2005, I had seen a posting for a host in uh, Vancouver for a show called At the time, it was called MTV Canada, actually select on MTV Canada. And I knew the show, I had seen it. And uh, I hadn't spent a lot of time really auditioning for any kind of television roles. I I had one opportunity that came close in college where I auditioned to be on YTV. And that sort of gave me this insight into like feeling like I could do it because I got very close to getting the job. It was down to me and another girl. And so I was like, well, if they saw something in me, then I guess I can do this. So I never really saw any other opportunities and when this posting came up for this show in Vancouver I applied I made a tape uh it was a VHS tape of my my demo just talking about who I was and what kind of music I liked and whatever and sent it in and from there I got um asked to come to Vancouver and kind of do a real sort of camera test and I went to that interview kind of knowing I would get the job I just sort of had this really clear feeling like I don't know, I was going to get it. I was really confident. I was nervous, but I definitely just had this bigger sense of like, I think I'm going to get it. You know, they don't have anybody that looks like me on this show and, and I can really bring something to this. So anyways, I ended up getting that job, moving to Vancouver and working my way through that for a couple of years and then working at City TV in Vancouver and eventually getting hired at Much Music as their West Coast correspondent. And so I did that for about a year and a half. And then I lost my job in the recession in 2008. They made cutbacks. So I, I lost my job for the first time and ever. I'd never experienced that. And that was pretty devastating. So I moved back to Toronto and that's when I became vegan during that sort of transitional time in my life. And that's where Hot for Food was born. I started a blog, but I ended up getting back into television at MuchMusic in Toronto. And that was when I really started doing what the, the dream job I had always imagined myself, which was working at the Queen and John studio in downtown Toronto, hosting the MMVAs and all that kind of stuff. So I did that from 2010 to 2014. And during that time, I'd also sort of expanded Hot for Food onto Instagram and was creating content on the side as a hobby. And I lost my job again in July, 2014 due to cutbacks because digital media was sort of taking over traditional broadcasting and bell media who I worked for wasn't really catching up and was losing advertising dollars and all that so when I lost my job then it was a different story because I was pretty excited about it and I felt like it was this door opening to be able to do something with hot for food so I immediately just started working on that full time and that's really how all of I guess you know what you've seen me do in the last four or five years ha- came from. So wow, what a journey! So <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, why did you start deciding to like create a blog, and why did you decide to become vegan? Was it um, more popular in society, or was it a lifestyle change? Yeah.
0: So when I. Um, moved from vancouver to toronto i was basically unemployed living at home and sort of feeling pretty lost and thinking that my television career was probably over even though it had just started because i had so much time just to reflect and stuff i also started realizing you know just my mental health wasn't good but also my physical health i was like yeah, I'm, I'm really not feeling good and i always pretty much struggled with what to eat and feeling sick and all of this so i started kind of just thinking well I should probably go vegetarian again or at least try to go vegan and it it was not popular at all at the time I felt like it was pretty fringy and this was the end of 2009 so I just started transitioning into eating vegan and by January 1st 2010 it was sort of my like personal like deadline I was like I'll be fully vegan by then and uh, during that time I was documenting all of this on a WordPress blog that I had started under the name hot for food and so it was really just because I wanted to have like a Personal diary, I think, like almost some accountability to document like my trials and errors with vegan dishes, and also I, I at the time I was still blogging uh, recipes for what I was eating that wasn't vegan, and I was just sort of talking about how I was attempting to do this, and so that was like really really early on, and even at that time, like blogging was still pretty new. I didn't know anything about it. My blog didn't look good at all, but people started looking at it, and I thought it was interesting because I was like, oh, people are sort of interested. So that just kind of got me thinking, like maybe this can become something. But, you know, I don't know what. And then by the time I got back into television, I pretty much put it aside because I didn't really have time and then revived it again when I made
1: an Instagram account for it uh, in 2012. Mm -hmm. And what was that moment or when was that moment when you realized like, oh, I could do this as a full time career?
0: The early version of the blog, I didn't really think it could be a full time. Well, I think I had the sense like I could tell like I was like, this is a good name. Like it has like, I think, something about it. So I had a sort of sense that it could become something. But I think when I really felt like it could become a full-time job was when I relaunched the blog. So I, I had sort of left that WordPress blog dormant, did all my content on Instagram for a couple of years. And then in February, 2014, about six months before I lost my television job, the second time I had relaunched hotforfoodblog.com and I made the website on Squarespace and I made it look nice and more modern and easier to navigate. And I had figured that all my, out all myself. And I think in doing that, I was like, okay, now this like really sort of stands for something. It has a cool look about it. I sort of had a voice and yeah, that was sort of when I could see it becoming something.
1: Now that YouTube is extremely popular and everyone now is kind of starting to film their lives, um, why do you think your channel got so widely popular? Do you think if you started your channel today, it would have a different outcome?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly, you know, you can never really play what ifs, but I'd like to think that if I started today, it wouldn't be the same because I really feel like when I started doing it and sort of dabbling in it, it was really about the timing. You know, in 2014, I started my vlog channel actually first before Hot for Food. And that was just really in response to, you know, having been on television and wanting to share something, but not really being able to because of the limitations of broadcasting, really feeling like, well, I might as well just go on YouTube and start telling people what happened and kind of share my experience with this whole transition in my life. Cause that's what YouTube's for, you know, YouTube is this place for people to, you know, get more vulnerable and intimate and stuff. And so that's why I did that. And that's what resonates. I mean, that's what people connected to because I was just sharing a real experience. And my whole goal with television was always to try to be as real as possible. And I did, get to do that, but I got to do that in a much bigger way because of YouTube. And so I think that's why it resonated. And I can't really say I'd like to think, yeah, like if I started today, it would be different because there is just so much more content on there. And I really had no reference for YouTube. I didn't actually consume a lot of YouTube. And I actually feel like that helped me in a way because I had no reference for how things should look or feel. So I really did what was true to me without any examples to kind of go off of.
1: Yeah. And how did you learn to grow your blog as now as a successful online platform? Did you hire other people or did you really just like learn as you went?
0: No, when it comes to the blog and the social media, it was all purely just me playing around. I... I had no background in anything like SEO or web design or anything. I just, I mean, it was kind of amazing because, you know, I had spent this whole almost 10 years in television where anything technical, I wasn't even really into wanting to do like shooting with cameras or editing and stuff like that. I, I was always kind of encouraged to do it, but I stayed away from it. And then with technology advancing so much and changing, when I got let go, it was really now a place of anyone can make anything and create anything. And it was so easy. Like the camera were easier to operate they were very consumer friendly and even you know wix and squarespace you know it's really made for like anyone can make a website so that stuff didn't exist when i was first starting out in television twitter didn't even exist when i started in television which is crazy for me it was like a huge learning curve even to like get into social media which i did when i was actually working out much music in 20 2012 i mean i didn't even have i got Instagram in 2012 because of that because i had to build sort of my brand as a tv host and and I was always very reluctant, but once I actually started using it and kind of tying it into what I was doing on television, I started to get really interested in just playing the game. Like it was just sort of a fun game to figure out, you know, cause nobody knows what they're doing. So yeah, I mean, I just, all of that was just like self-taught and very much intuitive and very much just like, let's just try stuff and see. And even building the hot for food Instagram, you know, I think it has a lot to do with timing also because I entered the space when, you know, it wasn't overly saturated with food content. It was really just starting there were other big vegan accounts actually that I discovered. And I remember thinking, Oh, that's cool. Like I want to get to that level. And I remember just kind of engaging with those pages and using the same hashtags and sort of seeing what other people were doing. And I mean, more or less copying it for those basic techniques, like hashtags and stuff. But I remember like this account, nom yourself, uh, was one of the biggest at the time. And I remember she shared one of my photos, which I thought was so cool. And it was like those little like organic moments that helped me grow my account. And I just, tapped into something, I think at the right time where now it completely seems like there's so much. And I don't think that should discourage anyone from doing it because everyone has something unique to offer. But felt like I really started at a time when you could kind of create the trends or create sort of the status quo. And I just tried to do that. I mean, I tried
1: to kind of offer something that I didn't see already. And now is it still just you um, managing the, the Hoffer food brand or do you have a team behind you? Um, is it? Yeah. How do you create the recipes as well?
0: Well, all the creative comes from me, like the recipes and stuff like that. Um, up until last year, so for 2019, I did have a production assistant working with me. So she helped with testing and development. She also helped with the YouTube channel production. Um, but that was the first time I had ever done that. Up uh, Before that, it was always just myself. And before that, myself and my ex-partner who um, was on the channel with me. But for the most part, I still did a lot of the recipe development. And um, for the cookbook, it's entirely me and I last the first cookbook I did all the photography myself all the styling all you know I had a testing group of volunteers that helped me test the recipes but yeah I would would say the creative output is primarily me right now I'm getting back into it after handing in my second book and I I don't have anyone helping with it right now same with social media I had someone helping with social media scheduling last year but both these people got different jobs so anyway so now it's just been me and I feel like it was interesting to try you know working with a uh, more of a production team I guess to help with that. But it's tough because I feel like all of this stuff works because it comes from me. And when it when it really resonates, it's like I have to be so involved and I have to make sure I'm present for it and that my personality shines through and that there's a, this personal touch to it. And I really want to make sure that I maintain that and not outsource things like that because I think you start to lose some of just some of the personality. So I think it was a lesson. It definitely, I needed to do it last year because I was working on the second book. You know, I don't know how that grows. I don't know if I would, how I continue doing that because I really wish I have the most fun doing the creative stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to like behind the scenes things, I mean, I have um, different people that have helped kind of from the beginning. I work with MCN called Kin and they are basically like my managers. So as things have grown, you know, I get a lot of requests for things and requests to work with brands and stuff like that. So they manage all of that and they negotiate all of that and they help grow my business financially with those opportunities. And I have a publicist who I work with. She's my friend and I've worked with her from the very beginning also. And that was just a personal choice of, I think, from my television background, kind of understanding the importance of press and also wanting to kind of capitalize on the fact that I already was someone who was well known in the press in Canada, which we did. And so that's why I brought her onto the team. From there, now I have a publishing team for the cookbook step. So I have a literary agent and um, I work with the editors at my publishing house. And so there are lots of people involved to like make the wheels turn and make everything go. But on the day to day, you know, I'm in my house alone on the computer or in the kitchen. It's
1: pretty much that's the scene. Wow. That's very impressive that you did a lot of that on your own. And um, I just want to say, I love your cookbook. I Thank cook you. Recipes. And I'm not a chef myself, but they're really easy to follow. So that's great. Oh, good. And you've been named one of Canada's top vegan influencers. Have you ever felt that pressure from other people's expectations maybe to act a certain way or how do you remain authentically yourself while knowing that you have a large community that looks up to you?
0: Yeah, I definitely, I don't really feel
1: pressure to... You consider yourself at- an influencer.
0: Well, no, I mean, I don't, the names, the, the idea of influencer I feel is getting very like misconstrued and it, It almost has a negative connotation for some reason, because I think there's a lot of people who are wanting to be part of this space, but they're not being authentic. And then that's almost what people are calling an influencer. Like it's almost like a tacky label. You're someone that just wants to like post and get free stuff and make money. Like that's, I feel like the association people have with it right now. But of course I am someone of influence. Like that is just... The byproduct of making the stuff that I create. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you create something great, it's going to be influential in some way. and i and I have, I would say, like you know, my intention, Behind high for food is to be influential because I want people to make my recipes and I want to have a positive effect on the world. So it's certainly an intention to be influential, but, I, but just to distinguish that label influencer tends to come with some weird perception. I think the other thing too, is I'm a little bit older. So like, I didn't really enter this whole digital social media world as like a young millennial. I'm like on the very tail end of millennial, like I'm a little bit older. So I definitely feel like that comes with a little bit more just like self-awareness and acceptance of self where I could see if you're quite young and you're trying to do this kind of stuff. You're really I I just remember when I was in my 20s, like how unsure of things I was like when I was in my early 20s and I, I could see how that could come with a lot of pressure. But I have to say that I think all the experience I had before I even got to this point in my career really helped in terms of staying grounded and actually like knowing who I am and knowing my focus and knowing what I want to say and being clear about that. But I definitely think it's fine to like that evolves over time, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to discourage anyone saying like, you have to know who you are in order to do this successfully. But I think having the right energy and intention and approach is definitely the most important thing. And, and I had that and I think, but I had, you know, 10 years of figuring out who I was, on camera by hosting television to really hone in on that. And I do think that that gives me somewhat of an advantage where like, I'm really not concerned of what people think. And like, I know how to be myself on camera. It's not an awkward
1: thing. It's not something I had to learn, right. Or kind of like grow into. So that certainly helped. On your, you have a personal channel, Lauren in real life, where you Mm log your everyday. How do you find the balance to putting content that your viewers like want to see your everyday life, but also keeping some of your life private.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, I definitely learned a lot about that through, you know, the beginning of vlogging. I definitely was like a hundred percent, divulging probably everything. And I was definitely showing my relationship on camera and I was showing everything I was doing, including like buying and remodeling a house and like it was getting pretty personal. And that is, I think, why people liked the channel for sure. I was doing it because it felt natural at the time and I definitely don't regret it. But I think as you grow and evolve while doing something so um, intimate like that, I think you develop certain boundaries. And because I went through the breakup and kind of had to navigate that in terms of how I was going to address that. And obviously when something is hurtful or, or really, really personal, then that's when you start figuring out what those boundaries are. So I don't really know, like I don't have a hard and fast rule about how I do it, but I definitely just gut check all the time. Like if it feels natural to say or do, then I do it. And if I question it at all, then I just don't go there, you know? And I definitely don't do it to try to get views or anything like that. That was never my intention, but I can see how when I look at it personally, I see how I've maybe become somewhat more reserved or just have created certain boundaries around certain things because of what I did before. Do you know, like now I intentionally, don't share my relationship on YouTube. And that was very much intentional.
1: Yeah, it's probably really hard because a lot of people like do love watching you because you're so open, you're so real. So it's hard to cut that, probably that aspect out.
0: Well, yeah. And like you kind of like once you let people in, you know, I haven't seen though, I've let them into that and now I'm not, but I haven't seen necessarily like a opposition from people who watch about that. Like I think they all understand. And that's the thing is I think now people who follow me and are kind of like devoted to watching and engaged, they know who I am. So they understand why I'm doing that. And so that's, I think, what's kind of fun about it. It is that you do really get to know each other like you know they get to know me and I get to know them and you and because it's vlogging and because it it, it still is very personal and much more intimate than if you're like watching a reality show right i think that's kind of cool because then you really do get to know somebody I think like and I've always intended to really like be who I actually am so I just try to be pretty upfront about everything you know I have said like not going to share my new relationship anymore really so
1: yeah and I know that you're a really big advocate for mental health and wellness have you ever dealt with burnout being an entrepreneur or how do you manage stress now
0: yeah I mean burnout and if even you know you talk about depression it's, it's such a sliding scale I've for sure experienced burnout currently, you know, and definitely in the last couple of years, I've noticed it just because this thing has grown and I've done, I've taken on a lot more things. I mean, it's tough. You, I'm definitely, my default behavior is to create and create and work and work. And I, that's just where I live. And I try to balance that all the time. I still probably overworked. I don't know. You just have to make sure that you're really aware of how you feel and what's going on. And I've had to just get pretty honest with myself like when I need to stop and take breaks and not I have to I have to kind of just give up there is that pressure to deliver right like you want to be delivering the content people have come to expect and it's weekly or whatever your schedule is and it's quite hard to maintain a lot of the time as things grow so you know you just can't be hard on yourself like you definitely do have to come first and you have to take care of yourself first otherwise you have nothing to give anybody else so I just try to keep that in mind for sure
1: just to wrap things up How do you feel about um, not being a female in the digital eye, but also, like, a woman of color?
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely get the, like, especially... Because in television, you are sort of faced with that typecasting idea that like you're sort of a token this and a token that like I experienced that. I I also saw the opportunity for that, though, too. Right. First television job, it was like I knew they didn't have anybody that looked like me on the show. So it was kind of like an obvious choice that I should be on the show. (laughs) And so I can see how that can work, to. I I guess I've just seen how it's worked to my advantage, I think, in some ways. And I definitely think I have no proof but I definitely think it's also worked to my detriment. I would say more in television because television is quite superficial. So I do think that sometimes my look or my being my race or whatever played into certain decisions. But now in terms of the digital space, I mean, I think it's just representation is a great thing. And I, and I'm glad that at least if people connect to me because they see themselves in me, then that's definitely all I've wanted to have sort of create a space for. Cause I remember watching like Sophie and Lee and Hannah Sung on much music and res, you know, really feeling connected to them and feeling like, okay, there's a space for me, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I especially um, that because I'm, I'm half Chinese, half French. Yeah. So yeah. When I saw you, um, when I was growing up on like much music and MTV especially I felt like I could resonate with you and I could connect with you and like you were kind of like the first like woman of like of color but also of, like a mixed race so that was yeah. really great to see growing up
0: yeah see that's amazing and I've had a, I've had people say that to me there's these um half Japanese girls that write for a paper in Canada and they said the same thing and I just I do think that that is an important thing to represent right in media and now it's great because at least the digital space is open to everybody and there is everybody's doing it. Whereas television can be very, very like secular and can tend to look very white still, I think. And so at least I think in the digital space, you're seeing there's something for everybody, no matter what race, what creed what whatever you know so I think that that's very positive I it's also something though where it's like I'm glad that you know that's something you saw and, and connected with because that's what I would hope and what I want for people and I'd like to continue for that to be a thing but I would say on the day on a daily basis it's not necessarily something I'm even aware of like it doesn't it's not like it's at the top of my it's not you know in the, t- in the front of my awareness all the time that like oh yes I'm half Asian and that's something people might be noticing it's, you know what I mean like it's almost like I don't have even the awareness of it sometime but I definitely think it's a positive thing and I you know I definitely want to encourage people if they feel like there isn't a space for them that they know that there is for sure and that you can carve out your own space and that's what's so great about the digital side of things
1: yeah so thank you for being that positive influence oh
0: you're well
1: uh, question um where do you see your hot for food and also your career in general maybe in like the next five years
0: well I have a second book coming out in February so so that it? will yeah I'm excited I really would like to do more in-person appearances for that like for a book tour so that's in the plan in in our books we're working on figuring that out now I you know what don't really know like the only other thing that I kind of say out loud that I would love is for hot for food to have some kind of grocery product
1: oh that would be cool
0: yeah like I don't know if that's like a line of sauces or frozen things or whatever so that was something I started exploring um, last year. We haven't, nothing's in the works right now, but it's definitely kind of on my like goal list as another part of the business I like to expand into. So, but other than that, like, I just, I don't know. And I, and I like that. I don't know because I feel, especially in this day and age, like anything is possible. There's so many ways of doing things. And I just want to be open to those possibilities without limiting myself too much with like a, a hard and fast plan. And that's just something I've learned from before where I used to have a very clear idea of what I wanted and I couldn't see outside of that. And I actually find that to be quite limiting sometimes because you don't really real. My, my new thing is like, you know, you don't know how how something can play out or how the universe can deliver something you want to you. And so you should stay open to the possibilities because often they're much bigger and better than you could have ever sort of drummed up in your mind. I guess for all those nervous post grads i mean i just i mean just really like keep your dreams front and center like i don't know that's just like i was very much about that when i was that age and it pays off if you if you stay focused on what you really really want and don't listen too much to a lot of outside influence because everyone will always have some criticism as to why you can't do something and my whole thing was just like i'm not gonna listen to that
1: And that was Lauren Toyota. Check out her channel, Hot for Food, for super tasty vegan recipes. And to see what she's up to day to day, check out her vlog channel, Lauren in Real Life. As always, please subscribe and leave a review. If you know of any guests that you think I should interview, don't be afraid to reach out. Thanks for listening.